Tennessee Governor Bill Lee has signed a new law banning public drag performances with a six-year prison sentence for repeat offenders. As first predicted in the now documentary, Medea Goes to Jail. A Tennessee state senator said the bill will prevent kids from being, quote, blindsided by a sexualized performance in public. What are you talking about? <laughs> drag shows don't just pop up like flash mobs and sprinkle gay dust on your kids. Well, I've brought drugs that I'm going to do on camera. This is a thin mint. And it's drugs because if we, if you can't do weed in this country, right? how the fuck are Girl Scouts allowed to peddle this shit on our street corners? This, Samoas, in my opinion, are more addicting than marijuana, <laughs> cannabis. Devil's lettuce. I I swear to God, I cannot have like a box in my head. We bought a box yesterday. This is totally a stupid no, story. No, it's okay. I don't care. Just go for it. I We bought a box yesterday of Samoas. They're gone. They were gone almost before they got home. I am an animal when it comes to that. I'm sitting there like, I'm a piece of shit right now. I'm looking at myself like, you, you've worked really hard. You've lost a bunch of weight. You lost a bunch of COVID weight. What are you doing? And as I was telling myself that, I was stuffing my face full of these things. I, I owe an apology to the Girl Scouts. I don't mean to disparage them. In fact, I think they deserve more respect because here's the thing. I got in this oh, yeah. discussion with, with Kristen, and she agrees with me. Boy Scouts, prestigious, right? Eagle Scout. I'm an yeah. Eagle Scout, and I call them Man Scouts. That's neither here nor there. But Man Scouts, very prestigious. You get your eagle. People look up to you. Girl Scouts, they don't have the same equivalent. You know what Boy Scouts sell? Bullshit popcorn. popcorn. Bullshit. I what? I love Boy Scout popcorn. It is a pity purchase from people. It comparing the two, there is no comparison. Oh, okay. Trails end well, my ass. Like I I get what you're saying. There's no comparison to Girl Scout cookies, but I feel like I was raised on Boy Scout popcorn. I feel like there's a nostalgia okay. behind, particularly like the caramel chocolate one that is just really good. And like having the Boy Scout popcorn tins. And my brother's an Eagle Scout. So like I had so much Boy Scout popcorn throughout my all of my years growing up. We all had to do it. We all had to push that man. Right. We had to, we had to move that product. <laughs> You had to pedal it. And and so I feel like there's like a nostalgia element for me, but I do get that it is a trash product compared <laughs> to the Girl Scout cookie. Okay, so I'm literally on the Boy Scout website. There's the dark chocolate salted caramels, chocolatey pretzels. There's a... They... They sell Keurig pods now. Oh um, my God. So I take everything back. This is garbage. Thank they you. sell peanuts, honey roasted peanuts. This is not the purest popcorn that I grew up with. This is this. The, what they have done is a travesty. Ca capitalism run amok. They're just no. turning themselves into the REI snack section. <laughs> that pretty soon Boy Scouts are going to start union busting. Good job, Girl Scouts. Um. There's not really a good segue, uh, but <laughs> we we want to talk about something that's happening not this weekend, but next weekend. And we will be there in person, live, alive, yeah. hopefully, yeah. <laughs> in person at the Appalachian Studies Conference. You get this shit show live. Ohio. That's right. Um, we are 
uh, gonna have a we're gonna have a table. We are this. You guys are hearing this for the first time. We are going to have an exclusive Appalachian Studies Conference line of merch mm-hmm. that is in partnership with our favorites, Kinship Goods of Charleston, West Virginia. Guys, there is a limited amount of this merch. Very limited. I, when I tell you limited, I mean really limited. So... If you are going to be at App Studies, this is the only place you're going to find this. Appalachian Studies Conference, come by our table as early as you can. We're going to have two exclusive t-shirts and two exclusive hats. And we are so excited um, to just absolutely tear it up at App Studies and have some fun while we're at it. This is our first hats. This is our first foray into to headwear, to chapeaus, if I will, to shopkas for all you Russians yeah. listening. Oh man, I tried to put that all in the one breath. It did not work. <laughs> it's okay. I full disclosure, you guys. It's been a a real week for me and Chuck. We're both so tired, but we're Oof. here for you. We have a great show coming up. Um, should have been our post Girl Scout Boy Scout debacle. I'd actually say we reached a really solid resolution. Yeah, I mean the Boy Scouts made it easy for us. Yeah, they fucked up. I they mean, fucking it, sucked. It started out a little bit rocky. Sorry, a little bit rocky, but we paved that road. We did. And speaking of paving roads, we're gonna not be doing any of that, but we needed a segue to something. This week we got a good <laughs> show. This is gonna be a fun show, even though we're dealing with some topics that are a bit thorny. For under the radar this week, we're gonna be giving you an update on the Norfolk Southern derailment. And what's being done to, um, I guess, prevent that. And spoiler alert, J.D. Vance accidentally did something that might have almost been kind of useful. Spoiler. That's a big admission from me, yeah. okay? A big one. So All you right. guys stick around until the end because Chuck's going to eat some crow. Yeah, don't don't roast me. I am me. eating don't. no crow because I will give him nothing. <laughs> I Don't cancel me yet. <laughs> don't do it yet. Just wait until the end at least. Or like half cancel the show. We've got that. We uh, we're gonna be talking to the wonderful Andy Marie, everybody's favorite Appalachian papa. Mm. She is a delight. We just loved every single second of that interview. But first, this week, our weekly list. Our weekly list this week is a pretty wild one mm-hmm. because um, Tennessee. I should say the Republicans in the legislature of Tennessee. I don't want to blame the whole state. The Republicans in the legislature of Tennessee passed some draconian bullshit laws this past week, basically banning drag performances. And you know what? We're going to do a play off that of things that will be banned if drag is considered adult cabaret under this new law in the great state of Tennessee. I like that you said it is thorny, but we're going to somehow make bigotry uh, entertaining. So this new law, we do have to give some background because... (laughs) First of all, you did a TikTok video about the Lion King, which is clearly done in somewhat jest, and everybody on TikTok takes everything literally, so they believe that the Lion King is banned in the state of Tennessee right now, which, um, think about that statement and how that would work, America. Um, <laughs> so, this new law, let's take a step back, let's do some legal analysis 101 with yours truly, not a barred attorney, but a jurist doctor. You can call me Dr. Charles Cora, not an attorney at law. This law creates an offense for a person who engages in adult cabaret entertainment on public property or in a location where the adult cabaret entertainment could be viewed by a person who is not an adult. 
And just to be clear, in case there was any questions about this, this is already a thing, okay? You can't, if you're a kid, you can't waltz into a strip club in, in anywhere in Tennessee, in the great state of Tennessee. If you're a stripper, you can't walk down Broadway in Nashville and start stripping out in public. It's just not a thing. You'll get arrested. So the, the idea that this concept is novel is, is stupid, and it's not needed. But Callie, you, you might find yourself asking, what is an adult cabaret performance? What is Chuck? an adult cabaret performance, Chuck? I'm asking myself, Chuck. <laughs> well, thank goodness you came to the right place because uh, I looked up the bill that is now a law. Adult cabaret performance, okay. It's defined as adult-oriented performances that are harmful to minors as such term is defined under present law, which I'll get into in a second. Semicolon features go-go dancers exotic dancers, strippers, male or female impersonators, or similar entertainers, and includes a single performance or multiple performances by said entertainer. We should, we should have dressed up as each other. Oh, damn it. It was a missed opportunity. We'll do it next time. Anyway, you may have noticed uh, male or female impersonators that were snuck into that provision by... You know, our, our great Republican elected officials. Callie, featured go-go dancers, exotic dancers, strippers, male or female impersonators. One of these things is not like the other. Right. <laughs> but let's move on, because we've got more ground to cover, Callie. You may also be asking yourself, you may have a lot of questions about this bill. Very understandable. You may be asking yourself, well, Chuck, you mentioned entertainers a lot. What is an entertainer? Well, great question. An entertainer is a person who provides... Either A, entertainment within an adult-oriented establishment, regardless of whether a fee is charged, so like a strip club or something like that, or B, adult cabaret entertainment, regardless of whether a fee is charged, yada, yada, yada. Now, if this sounds confusing, it is. If this sounds really hard to follow, it kind of is. And uh, it's probably deliberately done so because of that. And also, like, you can sell tickets or you don't have to sell tickets. Right. Exactly. Well, this, okay, so this is the last legal mumbo jumbo before we get into the list. So please, folks, just buckle up. Callie, you may also find yourself asking, what does it mean for something to be harmful to minors? It's a great question. The uh, Tennessee legislature has defined that quality of any description or representation in whatever form of nudity, sexual excitement, sexual conduct, excess violence, or sadomasochistic abuse when the matter or performance, A, would be found by the average person applying contemporary community standards to appeal predominantly to prurient, shameful, or morbid interests of minors, B, is patently offensive to prevailing standards in the adult community as a whole with respect to what is suitable to minors, and... C, taken as a whole, lacks serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value for minors. That was a jumblefuck. <laughs> I like that term, jumblefuck. That's fun. Just uh, out of curiosity, shooting from the hip here, Callie, um, do you happen to know the, the prevailing uh, community contemporary standard that appeals to the purient, purient, whatever the hell that word is, shameful or morbid interests of minors in your community? Because I don't. I've got a handful of guesses, and there's a few obvious ones, but uh, I don't really. But I think those three are two totally different things. <laughs> yeah, he's crazy bastard. So it's like it doesn't even make sense. Like uh, to add to have all of those together. I no, I don't. Well, 
my interpretation of this, which again, not a lawyer, not barred, never took the bar exam, don't at me, is that either this applies to everything or nothing. I know that's being a little hyperbolic. Right. I'm sure that people will parse through this law, but it's like either this covers everything or it's so vague as to cover nothing because this is the whole reasonable person type thing that you find in the law a lot where it's like, yes. well, if a reasonable person would find this to be offensive. And who is a reasonable person? Well, certainly not the people that are writing these laws, in my humble opinion. Right. Yeah, no, this is, I mean, this really, really gets into, I think they wanted to write it so broadly Absolutely. that they could put like literally anybody who is like a woman in pants could be thrown into this group. Mm -hmm. I So I just, I feel like they've written this to such an extent that you're right. I Like, I don't think that they were trying to get this to equal nothing. I think they were trying to get this to where, like, if they saw something or if somebody was out there who was even minorly offended and they called the cops or whatever, that they could be like, oh, I could, you know, that report makes sense to me, even if I would never call in that report because it wouldn't make sense to me. But you just want the like the most rabidly conservative person to be able to cry wolf as many times as possible. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree. And I think also it has the effect of self-censorship because whether you're a business who is thinking of hosting a drag event or you're an individual person who is planning to dress and drag at an event, it could very well likely cause you to avoid doing that or avoid hosting it out of fear of retribution, out of fear of getting arrested or being fined. Because something I neglected to mention about the new law is that the first violation is a Class A misdemeanor and the second is a Class E felony. It has a chilling effect. Oh, it absolutely yeah. has a chilling effect, 100%. Yeah, I mean, or community events, like I'm thinking festivals or community theater or libraries or people who put on programs for the public, like are going to steer very, very clear of this kind of thing. I mean, we'll get more into this into the list because there were a lot of things in our list that would play directly into this. Um, but this also, to me, it, it, it's targeted at, at schools as well. Uh, again, in the list, we can get more deeply into it but you're right like there this is going to cause a lot of businesses to say mm, I would rather make money than be a political activist which honestly like like so I mean people are just trying to live in these states that are being idiotic and I can't blame a business for being like I might steer clear of this performance just because I want to keep my license or want to be able to keep an operation this isn't even just drag it's like anything that could be remotely construed as right. this which ba ba bum why don't we get into our list let's get into it things that will be banned if drag is considered adult cabaret under this new law they could possibly be banned and we'll make an argument for it number one on this list is the lion king She's the Man, Motocross, and many other beloved films and television shows will no longer be allowed to play at public theaters or for public movie nights or in the presence of children. Possibly, yes. And and particularly, they perform, they're portraying illegal activity, one would say. They are. To and And literally in The Lion King, they use the word drag. Timon is engaging in what some people, 
and the Tennessee legislature would define as adult cabaret. Yes. I mean, look, like, have you, did you, did you ever watch She's the Man? Yeah. Oh my God. She's the Man. Great, um, great movie. Amanda film. Bynes, right? Or wait, was that Amanda Bynes? Or, it was. Yes. And Channing Tatum's breakout role. Yep. Channing Tatum, proud, uh, adopted West Virginian, played football at, uh, Glenville State College. Yeah. We love Channing Tatum. Um, also a regular old adult cabaret performer. <laughs> yeah, 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 he did a movie, Magic Mike. Multiple oh, wait, no, he was in real it. life. That's right. He was. He was a stripper in real life. Where the fuck is Channing Tatum on this? Uh, you know, I bet this pisses Channing Tatum off. Channing Tatum drag. Hasn't oh, said anything guaranteed. yet. Has not? Uh, well, Blow him up, guys. Come on. Tatum? Mulan. We talked about how <gasps> Mulan. That's the entire premise of Mulan. Yeah. Well, then, and also in the end, the the uh, the male warriors dress up as the female, as like the women to get into the castle. Do you remember that scene? Yeah. So it it's it is, it's a whole cross dressing movie. What they liter- they literally call it cross dressing in the movie. One of the greatest Disney songs of all time was promoting behavior that one could argue is unlawful in Tennessee if performed in public or performed in front of minors. Hello, be a man, be a man. You, you guys know what incredible, it is. Incredible movie, incredible soundtrack. Uh, definitely on the shit list now yeah. for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what else is high school musicals? Please share that with us because I, I don't have as much exp- I, I was in a few plays, was not a singer though. So I was in high school musicals all four years of high school. And all four years that I was in these shows, there have to be, there, there's only a, like so many of the, the students that are there to be in the show. And there are many times that you have to all participate in a dance number, but maybe the dance in the scene is for uh, a bunch of sailors. And so all the girls have to dress up like sailors to be part of the dance. Um, I'm thinking specifically that one. I literally did dress up as a sailor um, for uh, the first musical that I was in in high school, which is Anything Goes. Same thing with Footloose, you know, same thing with uh, Once Upon a Mattress, where you would have lots and lots of times where you would have to switch it up. Girls dress like boys, boys dress like girls. And sometimes it was for entertainment value because it was funny to put a big dude in a lady's dress as part of one of the dancing numbers. And it was a laugh line. I cannot tell you how many times that that happened and i'm not saying that it's like the best idea ever i'm just saying that i personally witnessed that happen many many times um where where like it was a it was according to this this law now for entertainment value and it could be someone could construe that as shameful for a a young person well, and that's the thing is like, you know, they try to caveat this by saying, oh, it's adult oriented performance. But first of all, drag is not inherently, from my understanding, not inherently adult oriented. It certainly can right. be, but it's not sure. inherently that way, just as dancing is not inherently adult oriented, but you can have exotic dancing. I don't know if that's a great per- comparison. I'm not sure. Don't roast me. You get what I'm saying. But- sure. But like, I, I mean, even in high school, you're covering adult topics in these musicals. Right. Like, there is like in in 
uh, footloose, there's suicide and there's um, drug use. And so you there are lots of high schools that have done the a performance of Rent or of Chicago that that deal with very adult themes um, and like murder. So you could make an argument that even if high school students are performing it, that there's adult there's adult themes. Right. Well, and I mean, even even still, like their definition of what that's considered is so broad and vague because it's based on the average person applying contemporary community standards who appeal to predominantly purient, shameful, morbid interests. Right. And who the f- who who's to say what that even morbid? Is? I mean, yeah, that could definitely they're definitely morbid. Thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and the legislature, I imagine their defense of this would be that. um that they didn't meet the third requirement of harmful to minors that uh, lack serious literary, artistic, yada, yada value. But that is a completely subjective standard, and you can see where people of ill meaning would certainly twist that and make things apply to that. All right, what's the next one, Chuck? I feel like this one's all you. (sighs) Well, you mentioned Footloose, and that did remind me of when I did a man pageant in high school, which would also probably be considered banned. Powder puff football and cheerleading just in general. Yeah. Think about powder puff football. That's when um, there's a little bit of role reversal. The boys are the cheerleaders. The girls are the football players. Young testosterone-fueled men prancing around like women in publicly funded stadiums. And my school that I send my kid to fucking outrageous, these adult cabaret performances tainting the great american sport of football how fucking dare you have ever done that so much of like male female impersonating can be taken so many different ways and is obviously subjective but again this is a republican attempt to um thwart any type of expression of anything beyond the binary and to attack the LGBTQ community in every way they can. And they've done yeah. that for decades. Here's one, Callie, that will, um, I think, cut at the heart of conservative America. I can't wait. Blow, <sighs> well, blow me away. Look, picture yourself as being a, a conservative, God-fearing suburban mom. You've just gone to Hobby Lobby and spent all of your husband's money because, of course, you don't work. You have to take care of the kids. Mm -hmm. You are hungry. Where are you going? It's not a Sunday, by the way. You are hungry. Where are you going to eat? I am going to fucking Chick-fil-A, taking my kids to that God-fearing establishment. Chick-fil-A, that's right, where all good Christians go, except not anymore because (gasps) you know what else is God-forsaken that fucking cow that cow as you as you worded it tits out man in the suit think about it uh that's like a male female impersonator that's a male bovine impersonator it is that is that is lewd exposure utters out utters out and utters look like penises yeah so it's both it's it's very uh very i like the word lewd i it's it's gross and like oftentimes that cow's doing funny dances. He's doing adult cabaret out there. I know this is in jest, but like honest to God, seriously, like 
Somebody one could, could make, make an argument. Call. Yes, this is how this is the whole point of this list. Like, yes, it's stupid, but this law is outrageous, and we should point out just how fucking stupid it is. I exactly, and you know what? I will fight for the rights of the Chick Fil A cow. Just as much as I will fight for the rights of a drag queen because they both deserve to express themselves in a way that they feel fit because both are appropriate. Yep. Tits out. Rights are rights, man. I don't discriminate. That's right. It's fucking bullshit. This next one I'll take because I have a serious bone to pick with this one. Oh, well, careful, because that might be considered against the community standards. Right. <laughs> picking bones. I don't know. It sounds extremely it's violent morbid. and sadomasochistic. Yeah, know? yeah. So um, longtime listeners of the show will know that in three Halloweens in a row, I dressed up as Steve Irwin for Halloween. Oh, my God. I forgot. <laughs> Our Lord and Savior. Right. Um, three Halloweens in a row. Rest in um, peace. Yeah, R.I.P. to the king. Um, Halloween is fucking canceled, folks. If your little girl, she wants to dress up like, I don't know, Iron Man, she can't do that anymore. You got a little boy who loves Elsa. Well, fuck that. Yeah, fuck that. Fuck her. Fuck him. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, you know, you could be you maybe you are a woman like me who loves Steve Irwin and is very seriously considering keeping up that tradition for the long term. Too late if you're in Tennessee. Can't do it. Halloween is canceled. Again, hyperbolic. Yes, but. One can make the art. First of all, you get on college campus, you're going to really make the argument. Yeah. I mean, my God, I've seen so many things made sexy that arguably shouldn't be, including right. probably Steve Irwin. But I mean, <laughs> Steve Irwin doesn't Steve need Irwin. to be made sexy. He just is. He, he was. Is. Rest in peace. Yeah. So the next one, uh, restaurants in general. Uh, <laughs> but and that's an industry term, by the way. Is it really? I, I mean, it's like an informal one, yes, but one nonetheless. That's I mean, really funny. I didn't know that. There's a Wikipedia page for it. In these uh, restaurants, as they're called, women typically walk around in, uh, we'll say, like scantily clad in ways that accentu- accentuate certain features that some men find appealing. That's the most clinical way of putting at it. There's lots of boobs. There's lots of cleavage, all right? There's also, aren't there, isn't there a lot of ass, too? Oh, yeah, I'd say there's a healthy amount of ass. One could very easily make the case that that is adult cabaret. and the- Oh, yeah. I have never been I have never been to a Hooters. I, I, I support uh, women typically just taking men's money. <laughs> so get it uh, however you can. Yeah, just 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 take their shit, man. <laughs> I mean, Chris and I go there all the time. We go to the one in Daytona Beach, right next to ISB. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. Kristen fucking loves the wings, man. You, this next one is also you too. This one's very, <sighs> this one's very personal to very you, personal. as the Steve Irwin wants to me. Yeah. So, um, my sister's wedding could arguably be banned in the state of Tennessee. How you might ask? Well, because it involved kilts. Wasn't even a gay wedding. It- Oh, no, my sister's not gay, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but <laughs> no shade to my brother-in-law, Dorian. Dorian, I think, is Scottish. I'm not sure. 
Uh, he's got Sounds some sort Scottish. of there's some sort of heritage there somewhere. Either way, he wore a kilt, had his uh, his bridal party wear kilts, the men anyway, which included me. And I will state for the record that I looked great in a kilt. I killed it. I killed did. It. I saw. I saw evidence, and it was the whole party looked just top notch. Appreciate that. Shout out to Jean, Dorian's mom, who made those kilts and who would also be aiding and abetting a crime, apparently, in Tennessee, because one could make the argument that those kilts, beautiful plaid, kind of look like skirts, by me wearing a kilt, I could be considered not gender conforming and, in fact, impersonating a female and therefore be violating the law in my sister's own wedding. And by God, we stepped out into public many times to take pictures. So um, what say you, Bill Lee? Yeah. Um, but seriously, I mean, like, this is, again, you know, hyperbolic, like I've always stated. But how do you draw the line? That's the question that, that should be asked. How do you draw the line? Because this law certainly doesn't tell you how. It's the community standards. Yeah. Whatever the fuck that means. God damn it. Sorry, I'm fired up. No, I, I love this. We got two more, and I think okay, these last two are really good ones. You take them. Me take both of them? Oh, my. Well, so, I'm definitely not qualified to answer the last one. So. All right. So this next to last, the penultimate one. Mm. School Spirit Weeks. How many of you had a crazy hair day? Or a dress like the opposite gender day or a craziest outfit, you know, whatever the hell day. They just do random stuff. And so this could very easily steer into male female impersonation. I mean, my high school, definitely, especially when it came to like, you know, you would get wigs on craziest hair day from you know all of the all of the the boys would wear pink wigs or whatever um then you would have like a wackiest outfit day and there would be people uh again mostly boys that would come wearing like outrageous dresses uh sounds like adult cabaret to me it does doesn't it um so school spirit was canceled can't believe taxpayers funded that unbelievable in haywood county north carolina too or maybe it's Slaywood because it's too gay. So we're, you know, let's just... A Gaywood County. There we go. That was the easiest one. <laughs> or you are tired, aren't you? Yeah. I, I, I feel like I have a pass. I have a pregnancy pass. Preg pass. Preg you got pass. it. Last you one. Two. Last one, folks. We're, we're, we're beating a dead horse right now, but I feel like I needed to say this last one. Shakespeare. And I would just point out real quick that beating a dead horse by this law would would be considered excess violence. Sorry, there, there you go. go. Shakespeare. Um, if you are a lover of Shakespeare like I am, you know that originally Shakespeare was performed entirely by men, meaning that every female character... Mm. That every that that had a kissing scene or had a, a a scene where they talked about being a woman or their womanly wares was played by a man, and so uh, we are we are putting good old uh, good old Bill Shakespeare on the chopping block here because no more 
no, no longer will we tolerate men dressing up as women for the sake of English literature. No. No, no, we're not. Um, and you know what? I could see somebody saying that that lacks serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. Uh, I really could. Because, because, um, because, you know, how does one define that? Really? Because two dudes kissing is gay, and that's not art. That's right. Quote the Raven. Damn it, that's, that's how Ed Allan Poe. Fuck. Good job, though. God damn it, that would have been perfect. Would have been really good. Okay, well, let's end that list. It went on for quite a bit of time, but it was worth it. Moving on, patreoncom Latcha. We we use it to fund this show, and we used to have fun on this show, that's and right. part of that fun is new members get limericks written by who else but Callie Pruitt. We've got two this week. We do. We do. I'm very excited about them. Um, After the last set of incredibly difficult names to rhyme, I was very (laughs) happy to see these two names on my list um, because I feel like I was able to not it wasn't just like it wasn't smooth sailing but we were able to get some more fun rhymes in there instead of just like being confined to three words i'm with so first up we have judy lift your glass to judy she reminds us to do our duty to our appalachian fam regardless of the jam together we're in this thing truly beautiful Beautiful. Love it. Welcome, Judy. Welcome, Judy. Our next one is for Mary Kate, uh, 90s kid here. I immediately was love. We love a Mary Kate. Love it. Um, cheers to our friend Mary Kate joining our band not a minute too late. A fair Virginia daisy nature lover scholar lady. An addition we consider first rate. Damn, you really you worked in a lot there. That was impressive. Thank you. Very proud of you. Thank you very much. Yeah, those were, I was very excited about those. That is value add for your membership, folks. Congratulations. You are welcome. Beautiful. Well, I love that. And you know what? Um, If you want a custom limerick and other fun stuff besides that, I mean, that alone, a reason to join. But you also get access to weekly exclusives. We also do fun live events. We're probably going to plan one again sometime soon. And uh, we do other stuff too. We've got a we got an exclusive series. We're working on some more stuff for that. And you can support us for as little as a dollar a month. It certainly helps out. Anything you can give, we appreciate. Let's move on to our interview. It's a banger. I mean, I put in a little preamble here, but folks, this was we needed this respite this week. Oh yeah, we needed it after some heavy shit, some thick shit around this region, around this country happening. We needed this reprieve. Andy Marie Tillman, aka Andy Marie, aka your Appalachian Papa. That may be how you know her. Singer, songwriter, humorist, comedian, all around wonderful person from the hollers of Scott County, Tennessee. Callie, this was a f- fun interview. Oh God, I. Love this woman. I just, I mean, you can, I, I held nothing back in the interview. I no. mean, I, I fanned the flames of my love for her <laughs> every chance that I got. She is so fucking great uh, at, at what she does, at being an ambassador for our region, at just being an all around person like i mean person you want to be bffs with like i feel like that's one of the best most appealing things about her is you're like 
God, that woman would be my best friend. And I want her to be my best friend. And let me tell you, it was fun to interview her because it felt immediately like we were all friends. Totally agree. Well, let's hear from Miss Andy Marie. Oh, hey, that rhymed. been asking for this interview for damn near a year <laughs> we have had like literally hundreds of people asking to have oh. this person who i am about to introduce on this show ladies and gentlemen i would like to clear the floor and welcome miss andy marie to the apod latcher family welcome hi what's up we're so excited to have you on the show people are going nuts for you right you are the hottest thing in appalachia right now oh what your, your platform is exploding people love you so we often just like to start with getting to know our guests a little bit better and getting to know their appalachian background so andy who the hell are you yeah uh i ask myself that on the daily uh sometimes it's on the hourly <laughs> like what vibe are we what are we portraying today um, I don't know who I am. I okay. Let's let's say I am an artist from uh, East Tennessee foothills area, um, more specifically Scott County, which is northwest of Knoxville. Uh, that's the funny thing is any kind of Appalachian setting, we have to just establish where we are. Are we in the foothills? Are we here? Where we here? And so that's that's where I am geographically located. That's my origin story, geographically speaking. And um, growing up there, I would say that uh, in some ways, some of my creativity could have been repressed. But if you look at it in another way, I think that it gave me an opportunity to think outside the box kids were always creating we were doing our horror stories in the woods you know um but i was born to parents later in life and uh and i think that they were just ready to dote on somebody and so uh when i decided at 12 years old that i wanted to go audition for a regional theater and i knew at six years old i was like I want to be an actor. And I um, I asked at 12 years old to go audition for regional theater. They took me. And then I, I feel like from that point on, it was just kind of, that was my path that I kind of, I hate to take all the, the glory for this. No, I don't. But uh, <laughs> I I really did carve that out myself. I knew in my heart what I was meant to do. And so I just kind of grabbed my parents. I was like, please, please, please. And and so they uh, they indulged me. And that's what I've been kind of doing ever since. And I've struggled and hit some things here and there. But that's I feel like that's a good summary in terms of where I am as an artist and where I'm located and stuff. No. Are you in Nashville now? Is that right? 
Okay. Yes. Yes. I live in Nashville. Now I visit, uh, all my family is still back in Scott County. So I visit, and since my parents are older, I make it a point to visit a couple times a month. So it's just one of those, uh, things. I wish it was closer because I, I really love Scott County, especially being like getting far enough away from it and then being able to realize how much you miss it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd love to live there if there was industry there and you know, who's, who's to say it won't be like that in five, 10 years, uh, things are growing, but just right now, this is where everything is located. I totally understand that. I I'm from West Virginia and I, I moved away knowing that, would have loved to stay, but there's just there wasn't anything there for me at the time. Um, I, I'm glad that you live in Nashville. It makes me really happy. I, I lived there for about five years up until more recently. And it, did you like it, it? I loved it. I mean, it's got its own quirks, and certainly it's got its own problems with growth. But it's it's such a unique city, and it's got its own uh, personality to it. And I just really I miss it so much. I really do. I love the spirit of Nashville right now. Um, I love my friends that I've made here. Like there's a reason why they came here and they didn't stay in LA or New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, who knows, maybe we're all just losers and I'm delusional. <laughs> maybe this, was our, this was our maybe second choice. But no, no, no I, I joke. I really do feel like there is um, like when you feel like you're getting in on the grassroots of something, it there's a different kind of energy instead of that hustle uh trying to make it trying to catch up with a movement that's already there i mean there's just a there's a resilience there's an ex, there's an excitement that i feel when i get around uh my friends that's like it's gonna happen any day now it's gonna happen for nashville but it is happening it's not really a waiting for kind of thing but that's how I feel about it. Yeah. 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 I, there's, there is something really magical. My experience is not necessarily with the acting and theater side. Um, I, I spent a lot of time in Nashville with my dad doing music. Um, you, have a, you have a really oh, wow. unique experience. <laughs> Very unique experience. I want to hear, no, I got to hear about this. Tell me. Oh, so my, Fucking my dad crazy. is a, my dad is a Grammy award winning banjo player. Um, so we spent, okay. yeah, so we spent like tons of time no in, in Nashville. Um, I basically grew up backstage at the Grand Ole Opry. Like I asked oh, my, yeah. my mom's favorite story to tell on me is that I had never gotten to sit out front. And I thought that that was like, I, I thought that I was like relegated to the back, you know, because that was that the front was really where all the special people were. And so- right. Even though, like, I got to meet people like Porter Wagner, Dolly Parton, like all Clinton Black, like mm-hmm. George Stray, all of these people, um, and I, I asked my mom one time, "When are we going to get to sit out with the normal people out there and watch Dad play show?" We <laughs> just sit out with the normal, and she's like, "That's for the plebeians, darling. Yes, Don't exactly. worry about those." Well, yes. who was that? now? Who was like the coolest? Like, what's your favorite childhood story backstage story would you say oh gosh um i think i did i was not aware of my life at the time um but johnny cash never called, are. called me a pretty little baby so oh. that's like pretty much peak um so, oh yeah. my god do you need to do anything else like yeah no i become I, a lush right you know? i peaked it as, as a baby but nashville's yeah. wonderful but so there are some folks here who may not know 
who you are. Um, so can you describe a little bit about your creative work and particularly your social media? Now, I know that you are so much more than that, but I feel like your social media is just where so many people have been introduced to you. Well, thank you for indulging that artistic part of me that's like, I am so much more than anything anybody will know about. But, um, but, but okay, I'm going to try to summarize it because I don't quite know myself. And I feel like that is the story for anything that any kind of person or movement that takes off via social media is it takes on its own life. And you're like, I, I'm figuring it out as y'all are. And there is some strategy to it. Uh, there's, at least I think there's some kind of method to the madness I try. Um, I have been promoting things on social media on a smaller scale for years now. Probably for years. Like when I first moved to Nashville, probably a little bit before that, because I had like a cover band and we did shows around town and I would put on like an Instagram, you know, or Facebook page. But when I first moved to Nashville, I was doing music. I was, I thought I was going to be a songwriter. And then I got kind of into theater. Like, my whole point is to say, I've been doing this, but not had any success with it. Um, but then I had... So many friends that knew that like I did impressions and I was kind of I was a character actor and that was really what I did most of my work in when I did regional theater and I did other community theater and, and short film and stuff. I was kind of more known for my character acting and they were like, well, why don't you put some characters on TikTok? And I was like, dude, at the time I was like, I'm 31 years old. Like I don't need to be dicking around on TikTok uh, with my old ass and anyway I thought it is not gonna hurt anything and it, and it's fun so uh, I was I was doing stuff not really having any success so it was just it was just like a fun way for me to make things on there because it had editing tools and then one night my husband is gone I don't go with him to this dinner he's supposed to go to and uh I had like been contemplating this Papaw character that I had in my mind. And I thought I need him to meet like a friend. I was like, I want to try some of these green screen things. Cause I never use green screen. So I thought, well, he's, I'm going to put him in the Hardee's and this is just all happenstance, you know? And, uh, and I just make that thing, have fun doing it, put it up, think 20, hundred people will see it. And then two days later, like a million and a half people have seen that. Like, you know, this is my pet fault. This is blah, 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 blah. This is give this woman an Academy Award. And obviously my little ego is blowing up. But then also I will say I had a, I didn't have maybe the euphoria that I think a lot of people that are performers, like maybe I had a little bit of that, but I got kind of scared at first because I thought, oh, Oh no, like what does this mean? And I, I do love attention, but like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I just thought I don't really know what that means. But then I quickly learned that it don't mean a whole lot. I mean, it may it makes somebody laugh for a minute, but I, 
I don't feel like that stuff. I don't know. I, I, I have the Hollywood paradigm in my head. Like we grew up with Hollywood stars. You know, we're not 19 years old. So we don't think of somebody getting some fame on TikTok as much of anything. And I don't have all that much. But long story short, um, I just kept doing characters. And then I started doing like little monologues. And I think maybe the fact that people feel endeared to to the accent y'all probably understand that like there's a warmth to it people can experience like maybe somebody that's a little bit progressive with a southern accent makes them feel warm and safe inside so um yeah I, I just thought I'm gonna follow this train and see where it goes and what's weird is like I've been trying to get an agent for the last three years. I've had an amazing reel, all this kind of stuff, TikTok, and like getting some traction. I just signed with an agent a few months ago. Oh, congrats. Like, thank you. And like landed some commercial roles and just stuff that stuff that actually pays money has come from this. And uh, so I think it's a net good, even though I still... I mean, I'm 32 years old. Like, I'm going to have some negative thoughts about social media because I don't know what it means yet, you know. But also, I think that there are some good things I've seen come out of it. And I've I've met some lovely people through it. And yeah, that's it. I, I think that's it. I don't know. That's 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 wonderful. For again, congratulations on that. That's amazing. Do you draw your inspiration for some of your characters from family members and people that you know? And one of the reasons I ask, I mean, you mentioned that the Papa impression is so relatable. It hit me like a ton of fucking bricks, okay? And I I had this very almost weird reaction to it because I was laughing and then I started to get a little sad because it reminded me so much of my papa. Like, even the way that you walk in the video, he put his hands behind his back, look around. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, this is... It, it, and I was like, was this just everyone's papa? It, it blew my mind. And I, I realized, like, when you talk about that, you talk about accents. So much of, I think, the comfort comes from that ability to relate. And I think for me, when I left West Virginia, I didn't meet any other West Virginians. I moved to Michigan for law school. I didn't meet any other West Virginians. There literally was not any in my school that I went to. And it was so hard to relate to people. But you you hear an accent, it just immediately brings you home and sends you on different emotions. So it's it's really cool. I know it kind of got a little off track with accents. But I'd love to know about like the inspiration that you, you gather because I mean, so much of your characters are relatable, like the the woman in the church. Oh, my God. The aunt in the church <laughs> that has the loud candy that is always singing a little bit off. Uh -huh. Last to leave. Yes. Yes, honey. That's the one that, that really woman, got me. <laughs> I love all the comments that are like, this woman has undiagnosed ADHD. And it's like, yes, yeah, she does. And that is based off of and I don't mind saying it's based off my Aunt Carletta. And other women I know, it's, it's not exactly her to a T, but it's like, that is my, that's kind of the rubric. And then I'll incorporate, like, I'll have an addendum here and there from somebody that I remember, um, just to make it more relatable to other people. But yes, these are all people that I uh, know. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Sling Blade. That to me... <laughs> 
is, uh, and I, I'm not comparing myself to Billy Bob. I'm saying, I, I tell people to me, that is one of, that is maybe the most authentic movie ever made. And I know that's like, a, that. that's a, that's, uh, that seems like I'm throwing a big, you know, uh, thing out there, but I really, I don't think anybody could do that had they not grown up in that. You know, I, he couldn't have been, he couldn't have completely transformed. You see that and you're like, that, how it's, that's Billy Bob Thornton. That's not, that's Carl Childers, you know? And, um, and it's because he was around those people. He knew those people on an intimate level. It wasn't something that he studied for six months. And don't get me wrong, like Daniel Day-Lewis does an incredible job. He's very immersive. He does these thick method acting crazy things. But um, it's something like you have to know, I feel like on a spiritual level. And when I say spiritual, I think I mean like have having observed it so many times that it becomes like almost etched inside of your body. Like to me, doing Papaw is so effortless. Like I can feel him in my body. I know that sounds like I'm possessed. And I guess in a way I am. I love it. But I but I genuinely that that's why I love character acting so much is it really does feel like like since I don't go to church and I don't know what I believe anymore, it's like the closest I get to a divine thing where something else really feels like it takes over me. The thing that I wanted when I was a Pentecostal happens to me as a character actor where I'm like, come on, get, get, send it to me. Come I occupy me. You know I what love I'm that. And I, and you can see that it is, it is so authentic. And that's what I, I mean, I, when I talk about, you to other people because you're a hot topic. Um, everybody, everybody says like that. It's not just that they like recognize that, that you're, you're playing a character that could be in a community. It's that they can point mm. to a literal actual person with a person. name in their life. Yeah. That is that character or is yeah. that Papa? Well, a, these are archetypes. These are our Appalachian archetypes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. These are, these are, it's a certain spirit. I don't know. I, I don't have more artistic words to use for that, but it really is like these things repeat themselves, you know? And there's, yeah. a, there's probably a, there's, there's a little bit difference of a Midwestern Papaw and somebody's got, you know, their Italian Papaw, but these are like our Appalachian archetypes. And I just try to find that. But yeah, I, I love that. I love when people drop the name Aunt Patty. Yes. Aunt, you know, Aunt Sarah, Aunt, you know, Sheila or whatever. It's perfect. So, but like the comedy that you, that you do is made with so much love for the region, which is why I think it plays well. You know, we've been mm. made fun of a hundred times. Like, I, I, I mean, more than that. Like we've been, we have been put through the ringer of people making jokes at our expense for not like a good purpose and mm -hmm. so you make jokes at our expense with so much love for the region and so I like where does that love come from is that from the way that you like the place that you grew up or your family like mm. where does your where do you feel your love for Appalachia like really originates within you mm. it's lovable 
You know, I, I, I think objectively, there are many lovable things. There are many unlovable things. But, dude, you'll find you'll find bigotry in the North. It just has a different accent. So, like, I, um, I, I have a lot of love for my family. But you, I, I really think, as an artist, there's some there's some kind of alchemy that happens. Like even though I joke about trauma and stuff like that, and I I do feel like I experienced a lot of that religiously. Uh, mm-hmm. But but I, I I'm I have a curse of being able to see everyone's point of view, and I cannot I can't I can't even try to hold a grudge against those people. Because I know that they believe that they were doing what they were supposed to do. If I believed that one of y'all were going to hell right now, if I believed it with all of my, I'd be, it would be wicked of me not to try to make you see another way or make you come to light, you know, or salvation or whatever. Um, So I have a little bit of the curse of, of uh, seeing everybody's point of view and, um, and I just have really good memories and, and, and the mind has a beautiful way of turning, of, of, of repressing all the bad shit so that you can recontextualize and repaint the picture, like repaint memory to look beautiful. Um, so I look on it and all I see is good. And the only time I really see bad is when I'm trying to write a song about it, you know, and and when I'm trying to really dig for it, trying to find meaning, but I just, maybe it's like, maybe it's like a gift that I've been given just to really love all those people. And, um, but like I said, maybe I shouldn't even qualify it because they are lovable in a way we've established that there's something lovable about them. Who doesn't love a character, you know? Even your toxic uncle, like sometimes, sometimes that shit is funny, you know. Especially with like Appalachian characters, it almost, it it makes it feel like an inside joke with people that you've never met, but that have that, that similarity to like where you grew up. And it's funny, you know, Scott County, Tennessee is very different from Wood County or Haywood County. Uh, They're all very different, but yet like we can all find something to relate to each other, even though we've never met you. Callie and I have only met a couple times in person and didn't know each other before doing the show. And it's just really, I always find it really fascinating. And I think I didn't realize how relatable other parts of Appalachia were until like doing this podcast and seeing creators like you do those types of characters because they are so real and evoke powerful memories for people. Not to like, like make it sound too serious because I mean, it's, it's funny and it's, it's like really incredible stuff, but like, I think that's what makes it so good and so authentic. I think that the the fun thing about this social media thing has, if we choose to look at it this way and I think we should uh, and we don't do it at our peril. We ignore it at our peril. Is like, look at how similar we are. Like, look at how much overlap we have in our experiences as as people, you know. And for our specific thing as Appalachians, like, 
we have so much, we have so much in common and, uh, I don't know. It just like, if we choose to, it really opens up a new layer of, of seeing the humanity in, in folks. Or maybe I'm just making too much out of it. It's all a bunch. It's not, all funny not shit. Not at all. It's making both. a lot of it's, sense. It's, it's both. both. So, all right. Let, before we close out, let's turn to your other work. Um, you are a singer-songwriter. You're Nosferatu sometimes. <laughs> um, you, um, it's it's Nosferatu. Yes, yes. You are you you do a lot. Um and you you do serious acting and you do ads and so tell us about some of this other work and and what are your goals for, you know, next year, next 5 years? God, hun, I mean Well, I got to keep working cuz I got to pay these bills or my husband is going to kick me out of this house if I, <laughs> if I don't pull my weight. Um Okay. My goals are this things that I could write down on paper. We're not talking about existential goals. Cause that's always in flux. We know that like I want to come up with a variety show, by the way, I guess we're all going to, I don't know if we're, we're allowed to announce that, that, um, Appalachia fest, we're both going to be at it. So, um, like I want to write a, a variety show that I could take to different places where a few characters can show up some music interspersed. And it's going to be a little surrealist, right? It's going to be a little out there. Um, and then ha having some stand up. So that's kind of, I want to have a multi, it wouldn't be a multimedia, but like a, a multi-talented, multifaceted, uh, little variety show that I can take and tour around because too many people I've reached out and been like, are you coming around? I'm like, I'm not a stand-up. That's the thing is I'm not a comic. I feel honored that people are calling me a comedian. I don't even call myself that, but I want to bring comedy and art to people in what, what, whatever way I can. And I feel like this would be the best way. So I want to write that out. I want to, I want it to be like a half hour, 45 minute set. <clears throat> I want to get this album out that I wrote two years ago and I recorded last year and just, I don't know if I didn't have the balls to finish it. I don't know what I did, but I want to release that in whatever effective way, let it do what it's going to do. And, um, and I've written a whole bunch more stuff. So I plan to record that. And um, I want to act I want to act in everything. I want to be all the characters, but pertinent to this conversation, I want to be a part of films that are being made in Appalachia with like with that as the subtext, but I want it to be, I want to be in some art house films about Appalachia. Like I want it to be heady. I want it to be out there. I want people to go, what the fuck? When they walk away, but feel something and feel like a certain mysticism and and uh, intrigue. So that 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 can get a little existential, but I think it's something I can write. I want to be in an art house film about Appalachia. We just need and, to connect you with our friends at Appalachian Queer Film Festival. And um, what? <laughs> yes, uh, we, uh, please we get interview. specific. Yes, 
we just yeah we them... interviewed them yeah. a few days ago actually how can people support your work you know like there are a lot of us out there who want to see you succeed want to see you win academy awards <laughs> and represent the region and so what can we do if we believe in you what can we do to support you well, right now, my main push, I think, is to get people to subscribe to my YouTube channel where I will be releasing all the long form content that I make, which includes long form skits, which includes podcasts, but will also include theatrical bits and all that kind of stuff. So if you go, but this is this is on YouTube, this is on TikTok, this is on uh, Instagram. It's Andy Marie Ree. So that's A-N-D-I-M-A-R-I-E-R-E. And Marie Ree is just what they would call me when I was a little girl. I mean, it, it doesn't really have that much of a ring. I don't know why I've kept it. I'm, I kind of regret it, but at this point, it's just too late to change it. Uh, but that, and also would love for you to follow Andy Marie on Spotify because in the next month I will be releasing a ton of music. And um, yeah, I would, if you have artistic projects, uh, I guess it's, it's here, please send an email to me. Um, it's Andy Tillman, all one word, all lowercase at iCloud.com. And if it's cool, I'll follow up. And if it's not, well, shit. <laughs> it went to junk. Amazing. But, uh, no, but please, please, please. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for doing this with me today. I feel like we're Appalachian fam, you know? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And we'll stay in touch. This is, this is, please. it's always great to meet people who are doing the same kind of work who care about the same stuff, um, even if we're in different mediums, you know? And so thank you so much for, for coming on the show today. I think people are going to be just so thrilled to get to know you better um, and to be able Woo-hoo! to support you even more. That was our interview with Annie Marie. We are big fans of her. We hope that we wish her all the luck in the world, although she doesn't need luck because she's very talented. And um, we hope that we'll see more of her soon and hope that she'll be back on the show. We'd love to have her. Under the radar, we are not going to forget about Norfolk Southern. And we wanted to give some updates because there's still a lot happening with this. There's a few other things that we were thinking of talking about. But we just wanted to stay on top of this because there have been some recent developments that are worth mentioning. First of all, a bill in Congress introduced to address some of the issues. Senator Sherrod Brown, my boy, um, Bob Casey, Marco Rubio, John Fetterman, Josh Hawley, and the other senator from Ohio introduced the Bipartisan Railway Safety Act 2023. It seeks to enhance safety procedures for trains carrying hazardous materials, establishing requirements for wayside defect detectors, creating a permanent requirement for railroads to operate with at least two people on their crew, very important, increasing fines for wrongdoing committed by carriers, and would also require railroads to create disaster plans and tell emergency response commissions what hazardous materials are going through their state. This is a good bill. Uh, it doesn't address every single issue but it's a good bill and it's one that would really mitigate a lot of problems that are currently in the industry it doesn't do everything but i think that it's a solid one that has bipartisan support 
Yeah, I I think that this bill um, is common sense. This is common sense legislation at its best. Um, and I, I, I mean, let's just talk for a second about some of the names on this list. I don't think that I have ever seen Marco Rubio and Josh Hawley on the same bill as Sherrod Brown and John Fetterman and Bob. I mean, the, the, this is just unheard of bipartisanship. Um, that that there's just weird. a it it is weird, but it seems like people now see the need for these really really common sense steps um, so that they can like I mean the constituents were demanding this and this is finally elected officials doing what is asked of them um and doing it together without bickering and arguing and so i just like props to all of these people um except for jd vance because fuck him still fuck uh, him still i was kidding about giving him credit it just he is he does happen to bumble fuck his way onto the co-sponsor list yes yes um no just, but seriously like this is a good bill and it's going to help people and it's going to make these states and our country safer so this is i think a really positive development yeah i hope it passes i think that they should really try to ram this through as quickly as possible to capitalize on the public attention around this because it is going to totally. wane soon. It's going to wane yeah. very soon. So, yeah. um, and, and also that's the Senate. I mean, I, I really do yeah. think, I mean, I think that right now is the perfect time to try and get this through the house, but we do need to keep in mind that the house is way more of a cluster than the Senate right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, although if Rubio and Holly are on it, maybe you can get some other, right wingers in the house on it who knows it, it's yeah. hard to say but uh but i mean I, I hope that they can they can push this through i know sherrod brown especially has been talking about this non-stop so yeah. um you know and in crass way like, yes he is up for re-election 24 so like let's i mean it but like it would be political malpractice for both senators in ohio not to be doing anything about this one thing i did want to say and this is not covering everything of the new developments uh, with this, but this was wild, this incineration plan. So I read yeah. this article, the contaminated soil from the site around the East Palestine train wreck in Ohio is being sent to a nearby incinerator with a history of clean air violations, raising fears that the chemicals being removed from the ground will be redistributed across the region. Um, I thought that the comments from, from this former EPA official were pretty wild. The new plan is, quote, horrifying, said Kyla Bennett, a former EPA official, now with the Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility nonprofit. She's one of many public health advocates and local residents who have slammed Norfolk Southern over this decision. She said, quote, why on earth would you take this already dramatically overburdened community and ship this stuff a few miles away only to have it deposited right back where it comes from? Great question. Would love to know the answer. Yeah. Um, and the benefits of this are iffy. I mean, that's that's kind of what I'm hearing. That's what I've read, that incinerating the soil is risky because some of the contaminants that residents and independent chemical experts fear is in the waste, like dioxins and PFAs, uh, haven't been tested for by the EPA, and they do not incinerate easily or cannot be incinerated. So we don't even know how effective this is going to be. Yeah, if it's PFOS, those are forever chemicals. Yeah. They are called that for a reason. 
So. Oh my god! Like this is, and this is the stuff where like it flies under the radar because yeah. after like the media cover, the massive media coverage of this has since waned. Like yes, there's still good coverage of it, but the public attention has now been focused elsewhere to whatever the hell else is going on in our our hellscape world of the day. And so these this stuff slides by, man, and like because the EPA has tasked Norfolk Southern with, I think, with coming up with a cleanup strategy for this, and I'm assuming that this is part of their plan. Um, it's just it's wild to me, like how much malpractice, how much just like horrible shit can be shoveled onto one community. Yeah. Yeah, I I I totally agree. I mean, and I think that like rushing into solutions because of community and national pressure is also not the right answer like saying oh i guess we'll just burn it again you know yeah, like, fuck it. <laughs> right like that that actually is not helpful to anyone so um yeah i mean i i the bill is one piece of good news um this incineration plan is one piece of very iffy news so uh yeah like always we're balancing the good with the bad I'm just saying, like, my dad got in trouble when he tried to burn a pile of, like, old brush and wood from where he tore down part of a, a shed in our backyard growing up. Yeah. And that was just old wood with, like, some old paint on it. But even he got in trouble, wasn't allowed to burn it, okay? If my dad can't burn a brush pile, they should not be able to incinerate this shit right next to the fucking community. Yeah, yeah, it's so upsetting. Um, and in fairness, but, my dad should have been able to burn that brush. Whatever, not arguing. Yeah, no, I burn it. Thank you. <laughs> um, should have had yeah, you there. There's a, there's a lot. There's still a lot of developments happening on this, so we'll keep you updated. But um, yeah, would love to. If you guys are hearing stuff on the ground, again, our DMs and our emails are open. We want to hear from folks who are there in in Ohio, uh, in East Palestine, who are are hearing the stuff on the ground and who are able to directly report to us on it. So please keep us updated. Please do, and we're trying to get to all of them. I'm bad about replying to things, and I'm trying to get better. You're doing great. Thank you. See, we're, we're a great team. And thank you all for listening to us, and we hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with more Ampod Latches. See you. Love you. Goodbye. The slap happies. We really did. This was the slap happiest episode we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs>